0: Welcome. You're listening to Janesville Mobilizing for Change's Together for Change podcast, your source for local substance abuse prevention matters in Janesville and Rock County. Here's your host, Aaron Davis. Good afternoon. My name is Aaron Davis. I'm the director at Janesville Mobilizing for Change. And today I have with me Jane Goldberg, a project coordinator for JM4C. Hello. Hi, Jane. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Well, thank you for joining us. So first I'd like
1: to ask you, what is JM4C? Janesville Mobilizing for Change, we are a community coalition and also a certified prevention agency. And our mission is to reduce and prevent substance use, especially among youth. So um, we do that. Our focus areas are underage drinking, prescription drug misuse. Um, We do work with the LGBTQ population. And we work with a variety of different community partners. So we work with um, parents, youth, school, law enforcement, businesses, local government, the media. And we all work together to um, create change among the community.
0: Is that what you meant when you called JM4C a community coalition? Yes. Okay, so the coalition is this group of people that come together to work on a problem. Exactly. All right, that's pretty awesome that you get so many groups together. Yeah, that's great. So each of them have a role in what you're
1: doing, which is prevention. Can you tell me a little bit about what prevention is? Sure. Well, basically prevention is stopping a behavior before it even starts. So we are working um, to reduce the first use of underage drinking, prescription drug misuse, marijuana use among youth. You said first use. What
0: What is the age of first use for most children or some children, I suppose, that are using any of these substances?
1: Um, well, typically it tends to happen in like middle school, high school years where there's more peer pressure involved. Um, so we really want to help at that critical area to prevent those behaviors.
0: Okay, so middle school, high school, that's a big time for the kids.
1: Exactly. So how do you actually go about doing it? So we work with, um, we know there's not one single strategy or magic bullet that's going to prevent use. So we really focus on um, the seven strategies of community change to kind of have more comprehensive effect on the community. And I can just walk through what those um, seven strategies are. Um, The first one is provide information, and that is something that we probably do the most of. We attend a lot of community events, a lot of health fairs. We distribute information on specific drugs or how to talk to your kids about drug use. Um, so that's something that is probably a lot of what we do at JM4C. So when you talk about distributing
0: the information, um, I mean, I get you probably use brochures and flyers and stuff okay. like that.
1: How else do you reach to the, reach out to the community? We do have a Facebook page, um, so that's where we post a lot throughout the week. And then we have a website, which is www.jm4c.org. I've seen some really cool billboards
0: around town, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the one of the the woman drinking a glass of wine, and yes. there's a little girl in the background. Yes,
1: the role modeling behavior little eyes are watching, so. All right, so that is your, your biggest strategy that you use. What are some of the other ones that you do? Um, the next one we do is enhance skills, so that's doing trainings to parents in the community. We have a hidden in plain sight display that we use, and this is um, a mock bedroom that we set up, and then scatter drug paraphernalia throughout the bedroom, and this is for adults only, so we kind of talk about um, the different things that kids can conceal drugs or alcohol in.
0: When you say that you
1: scatter paraphernalia around
0: the room, wouldn't it be pretty easy to identify what these items are? I mean, if my kid's
1: smoking marijuana, I should be able to see the signs. Well, it's a little bit more discreet nowadays. Um, We have highlighters that are actually marijuana pipes, so that would not be noticeable just laying around. So really discreet, like mm -hmm. you said. Another one we do is provide support. So Um, That would be like working with the schools, um, especially our GSA groups in the schools. Those are gender-sexuality alliance groups, so that works with the LGBTQ community. Um, Another one would be change consequences. So we work with our um, local police department to do alcohol compliance checks. So that's where we have um, underage youth ride along with us, and then they go into alcohol stores to try to purchase alcohol. Does that happen here in Janesville? It does happen. So we just ran one last month, and of the 23, 24 locations we checked, we had four failures. That's unfortunate. How often do you do alcohol compliance checks? We generally try to do them about once a year. Um, Another strategy would be change physical design. So um, the Janesville Police Department has a permanent drug drop box. So we do a lot of promotion of that drop box. We did a community survey a few years ago, and we found that a lot of residents of Janesville were not even aware that box existed. So we put in a lot of effort to um, make a, create awareness about that being there. And then we just ran another community survey at the beginning of this year, and um, our efforts have paid off because a lot more people were aware of the drop box. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So what can you take to the Dropbox? Um, so at the Janesville Police Department, there is a grate on top of the drop box, so you actually have to dump your pills into it so it does not accept bottles. And that's just a way to kind of cut down on police officer time because they did spend a lot of time going through a lot of, like, shampoo bottles, baby wipes, things like that that do not belong in a drug drop box. So you can only put um, actual pills in there.
0: And I think you have one more strategy to tell me about. Is that right?
1: Uh, modify change policy. What so, does this look like? So that's a tougher one. Um, that takes a lot more effort to do, and it's one of the harder strategies that we work on. Um, an example would be a couple years ago, the city of Janesville passed a e-cigarette. You cannot smoke in public places with e-cigarettes ordinance. Okay. So we've been. Um, helping place signs throughout community parks, etc., to kind of make oh, create awareness about that.
0: And how does not allowing e-cigarette use in public areas reduce youth substance use?
1: Accessibility. Um, it also reduces where they can actually use those devices as well. If a lot of youth hang out in parks and there's no vaping allowed there, then they can't. They need to find somewhere else to go. So it sounds like
0: policy is a lot of work, but it's probably really, I mean, it pays important. off, right? Yes, it's a very important strategy. Of all the strategies that you told me about, are any of them more important than
1: others? Um, I wouldn't say they're more important. Some are easier to do. Like I said, provide information is a general easy one where we can be in the community and pass out Brochures or flyers about who we are and what we do, and also to recruit new members to join our coalition.
0: When you're looking for new members,
1: what is it that they are working on? The new members, um, so there's a variety of volunteer opportunities available. We have a couple different grants that we work under. So I work with a drug free communities grant, and um, one of our biggest volunteer opportunities would be the reality maze that we do at all three middle schools in Janesville. So that event is um, for all eighth grade students, and we get many volunteers from the community to act as nurses, judges, law enforcement, school administration, parents, um, counselors to help out for the day, um, the eighth grade students get a scenario, and it kind of walks them through risky behaviors. So, if they're at a party and they're drinking, and then kind of what could happen if that was a real life situation. What other funding sources did you do you guys receive? You mentioned drug free communities. Mm-hmm. We also have a partnership for success grant, so that works on um, creating awareness about um, prescription drug use in. Rock County. We have an SSM Health mini grant that we do um, with vaping. So we purchased a vape cart that we take through to our community events. Um, I know vaping has been a very big issue in recent months with um, people being hospitalized and actually dying from vaping. So we wanted to show the community, parents and adults, what is actually in a vape. So we have a gas can. We have a carton of cigarettes to show that there's actually nicotine in these vaping devices. And a national survey was done recently where about 65% of youth who vape had no idea what was even in their vaping device. That's pretty scary, especially
0: with all the CDC warnings that are out right now. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So you have money from drug-free communities, from SSM, from Partnership for Success. Are there
1: any other big partners that you guys have? Um, I mentioned we work with our LGBTQ population, so we have a STOP grant, and STOP stands for Sober Truth on Preventing Underage Drinking.
0: And so you had mentioned the LGBTQ population before. Why is it significant to work with this population
1: separately or in addition to your regular prevention efforts? Sure. Sure. So a few years ago, um, we found in our youth risk behavior survey that those who identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans were at a higher risk for behaviors such as underage drinking, prescription drug misuse, etc. So with this grant, what is it that you guys do? Provide more support in the schools. Um, I mentioned that we have a coordinator who works with the GSAs, which stands for Gender Sexuality Alliance Groups, and they're in the middle and high schools. So just provide support um, resources for those individuals and their families.
0: That sounds like that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. Do you have any other fun activities that you guys work on?
1: Um, yes, we do. Um, recently we were named a United Way Black Hawk Region funded partner. So we are able to expand our substance-free activities. So we have monthly events held in the 4th Ward Park called Prevention in the Park. We just wrapped up our um, second event at the end of August, which was called Party in the Park. And we had a lot of fun activities for youth, and um, we had some free food, and it was great to see everyone come out. That sounds like a lot of fun.
0: So, Jane, let's talk a little bit about some of the specific substances that you're working on. Uh, the three that really caught my attention right now were underage drinking, prescription drugs, and vaping. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so with underage drinking, how many kids in Janesville, high school students, are actually drinking on weekends? I mean, is this something that everybody is doing, or is it you know something that's happening in every parent's basement because it's a rite of passage? I guess what... What does that culture look like?
1: Sure. It's interesting that you asked that question because we recently conducted focus groups in our schools, and we asked kids, um, what do your peers do? Do they drink? Where? How often? And um, a lot of them agreed that, yeah, it happens a lot, and they drink on the weekends, etc. However, on our Youth Risk Behavior Survey, which as- actually asks questions about their behaviors, it shows that 8 out of 10 Janesville teens do not drink alcohol. So So it's only 20% of the kids in
0: Janesville that are are drinking. Correct. And when you say teens, are you talking just high school students?
1: Uh, Middle school and high school.
0: And so when you're teaching kids and teaching parents about underage drinking, what exactly is it that you're teaching them?
1: So we do a campaign in the springtime to kind of coincide with prom and graduation activities called Parents Who Host Lose the Most. And that's just a way to create awareness on um, if you have an underage drinking party or if it, you are aware of it happening on your property, that you could be fined for hosting an event like that. So we want to definitely create that awareness and show the dangers, dangers of the consequences that could happen by doing that.
0: You know, I think I heard something about that campaign uh the sheriff, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't he sheriff have Newton. something on the radio?
1: Yes, he did.
0: All right. And so um, I think a lot of parents consider it a rite of passage. You know, I did it in high school and yes, maybe I turned out
1: okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any truth to that? Um, I would say there there's a misconception. If you think it's okay for your teen to drink at home or um, have a party and take everyone's keys then you're basically letting them know that that behavior is okay. And what's dangerous about that behavior is the likelihood of addiction increasing when um, teens are drinking alcohol is a much higher than someone who's not had any alcohol as a teenager. So, so this goes back to that
0: age of first use Correct. that you mentioned yeah. before. The longer they wait to use, mm-hmm. the less likely they are to have be addicted to okay. alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's very fascinating. Yes. And um, then we were talking about prescription drugs, and I guess when I think of prescription drugs, I think of what's in the news right now, and it's all about the opioids, and mm-hmm. um, can using, misusing prescription drugs lead to
1: a future of heroin use disorder or opioid use disorder? How does that work? Mm-hmm. So um, if someone is misusing opioids And they're hard to get. Um, I think we have a lot of changes in place, especially in our state with the prescription drug monitoring program, that it's harder to get those painkillers. So what's cheaper and more available would be heroin. So when they don't have any more pills to use, that would be what their next step would likely be. And are you seeing a lot of prescription drug misuse and heroin use in the Janesville schools? Actually, no, we're not. It's pretty low and... It seems to be decreasing, so that's a very good thing. Um, We have a lot of, we've put a lot of prevention efforts into prescription drug misuse over the years, so it's great to see that that's paying off.
0: That's awesome. And I guess my my next question is, I mean, we're hearing a lot about vaping lately, Mm -hmm. so what does that look
1: like for our youth? It's very scary um, there's not a lot of long term studies on the effects of e cigarettes, but with the CDC issuing warnings about not using electronic devices, I mean definitely take heed and listen to what they are saying
0: if i let's say that I'm worried that my child is vaping
1: what does what does a vaping device look like? They can be very discreet um, they are there are many devices out there and they're very small they can fit into like the sleeve of their shirt, and they can be vaping in schools and hallways, bathrooms, and no one would likely know. You might smell something very fruity or like cotton candy, and you might think it's perfume or lotion, but in reality it's probably a vaping device because we've heard from a lot of students that vaping in the schools is a big issue. What do they look like? They look like USB drives. Really? Mm-hmm. They're very discreet. They actually plug into your computer to charge. So um, to the average person who's not familiar with vaping devices, it would just look like a computer flash drive. Well, Jane,
0: you have given me a lot of information today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. If somebody is interested in helping Jane's Will Mobilizing for Change, how can they get in touch with
1: you? Sure, you can visit our website, number 4 corg We also have a Facebook page, and um, you can contact us through there. Okay, and if I'm not good with the computer, with the Internet, how can I reach you? Um, by phone, 608-741-2105. All right, well, thanks again for coming on the show today, and we'll be talking soon. Sounds good.
0: All right, bye bye.